Hello and welcome to this special episode of Coaching Uncovered podcast. Today I wanted to share some personal things about what's been happening in my life that are relevant to this week, which is Maternal Mental Health Week. I wanted to share some of the things that have been happening in the last decade and then what's been happening in the last year. And I realised as I was writing this down that it felt really good to write it and it would probably feel better and more real to speak it and to use the podcast to do that. That's why it's a special episode. It really isn't necessarily relevant to coaching nor relevant to business, although it comes into it. Uh, And I should warn you, there's not going to be a lot of detail around these things, but there possibly is a trigger warning around mental health issues, um, maternal loss, baby loss and sort of trauma. So where do I start? Um, I've suffered with mental health issues for, I would say, quite a long time in my life. Anxiety that I hadn't pinned down until much later in my life. Then with a diagnosis of cancer, which was bowel cancer when I was 30, and the treatments that I had, which included a few surgeries, which were major, Uh, chemotherapy and then resulting from that infertility um, failed IVFs despite trying and baby loss. I know that those events of that decade took me to new heights of what I suppose we would call mental anguish. Now, somewhere in there, and it may well have been before I had cancer, it's just it's slightly blurry. I had a diagnosis of PMDD, which is um, essentially a, a very severe form of PMS. It's where your PMS affects your mental health so much that, you know, it's acknowledged that it's a severe case of PMS that is very specific to your mental well-being. And like I said, somewhere in there, I I was never quite sure, and I can't tell you I remember now, um, whether it was after the cancer or before that time. It was around my, that decade, (laughs) let's say around my 30s. And then subsequently to that, I was later diagnosed, I believe, again from memory, this was around 2014, 15, Um, and the cancer had happened 2010-11. I had a formal diagnosis then of PTSD, so post-traumatic stress disorder. Pretty obviously as a result of the trauma that had occurred in that decade. And for me, I know that it was, it doesn't have to be any more than that, right? But I know for me it was the events that had sort of stacked on each other. It doesn't necessarily align to them happening super quickly, although some of them did, but they just kept happening and it felt like there was little recovery between them all and my body and my brain didn't really recover easily from from each one. I should say as well, during that time, I had various amounts of mental health support. So during the cancer, I had specific cancer mental health support, which was amazing. I then accessed different types of um, clinicians and therapists over the sort of decade, including CBT, other behavioural therapies, um, psychotherapy, and later, much, much later, so probably about two, three years ago, I 
it culminated really in EMDR, which is a trauma therapy, which has very, very good results. And a lot of that was through private um, health insurance. I'm very privileged to have been able to access that. But I would still say it was hard to access. And even then, you still have to go through your GP who then still has to understand what you're saying and be able to interpret it in order to help you find the right people. So there is still a sort of access issue, albeit one of privilege, I would say. Let's get round to the reason why I wanted to share this this week is that it's Maternal Mental Health Week and I am now a mother. I'm a mother through insanely um, amazing feat of surrogacy and... Hope is my daughter who's 10 months actually today and I realise that I'm finding myself with a new set of mental health issues to face. Not just because I'm a mum but because over the last certainly three to four months it's become clearer and clearer that I'm very likely in perimenopause. I do wonder whether I've been in it a lot longer because the symptoms that you can finally access usually through various websites and support forums rather than your doctor, unfortunately, um, show the symptoms as rife when I tick them, all but two of them, I think. And so I wonder if I feel like looking back Some of those symptoms have been happening for a lot longer, but they've been worsening over the last four to six-ish months, and they're more acute. And I'm going to come to what I think is going on there, but, you know, some of the symptoms for me are um, an absolute fatigue and a fogginess that I can't shake. So I know what fatigue feels like. I've, I've had fatigue from cancer treatments. I've had fatigue from burnout, and I know that this is a fatigue. So fatigue generally... The way I try to describe it, if you're ever trying to tell someone, it's not tiredness that can be sorted out with sleep. It's a heaviness in your body and an aching that it goes away. It does go away and come back. And for a lot of people, that is the case. But that's usually a version of fatigue as opposed to I'm tired and I need some sleep or I'm a bit ratty. I didn't sleep well. Um, And alongside that is the fogginess. And for me, that manifests as this just extreme inability to focus, um, to remember words, to recall words. I can look at items and really try to remember what it's called. It includes writing clearly. I definitely don't have as much attention to the detail of what I'm writing as I used to. I'm mixing up letters and things, which is very new. Uh, Even though I have sometimes, people on my email list would know that I am been a little bit lay-safe-air or relaxed about my spelling at times. Uh, Sometimes I can't talk clearly, so finish sentences, remember what I was talking about, to find it hard to concentrate on what someone's saying. Often this is in person, you know, where we've been outside and seeing more people, it's often in person and I often need to, even though I wouldn't always ask someone to do this, but my brain would prefer the volume and the speed turned down. And in knowing that and understanding that about myself relatively recently, I've begun to then look at things like sensory processing issues because I've never liked like loud noises, um, lots of different types of noises make me quite anxious. All of these things I'm slightly aware of from my history but they're just becoming more and more acute. I have then 
the sleep issue is a big one. So I've always suffered a bit, she says, a bit with insomnia, versions of it, you know, waking up in the night, not being able to go to sleep till one, two, three hours later, waking up foggy. That's been the case for me really since cancer. This is the same now, but it, you know, it's gone to new heights because of the almost the fogginess and the heaviness. Then there's sweats that keep me up. Um, and that make me paranoid to go out as well. So I do go out loads, but, and I have come to learn to accept and be tolerant of and be more compassionate to, you know, my body as it's changing as well. And I also know that as we get into the warmer months, sweat is not going to stop me taking out the baby or stop me doing things or weight gain is not going to stop me doing things. I just won't let it, but it, it isn't easy, right? It isn't easy to, to go through that. So I want to then come to what's going on in my mind about like why this is happening and the things behind it as well. For me, and you're probably hearing this, you're probably shouting as you're as I'm saying all these things, yes, but you've just had a baby and fine, I didn't physically have her, but having a child um, is obviously a huge life change and exhausting and tiring for all sorts of reasons. But but here's what is going on in my mind. Um The problem with those symptoms is that so much of them are caught up in three things. So number one, the pandemic. You'll notice, you'll have seen, you'll have felt um, online, in person, your friends, people you you know, acquaintances, people you follow online. Everyone's talking about not dissimilar things to what I've just said. So finding fogginess or memory issues, inability to focus, that has been coming up a lot. And actually a new podcast episode, All in the Mind, Um, just talked about memory during the pandemic. So that's really good. I'll put that in the show notes. So I'm thinking, well, this is what everyone's going through. So this is not abnormal. Sure. But what we each have to remember is even if lots of people are reporting this as well and saying words to the effect of, you know, insomnia, sleepness, sleeplessness, uh, fogginess, lack of focus. What you need to do is look at yourself and understand how it's impacting you and and the amount that it's impacting you. So it doesn't matter that hundreds of thousands of other people are saying they're foggy. It does matter, of course, we care, but it doesn't matter in the sense of if your fogginess or your inability to sleep is impacting your life and your quality of life, then there is absolutely a reason to go and get support with it. Even when you can link it only to the pandemic, you can still think, you know what, this isn't normal for me. So that's what's been going on for me as well. I've been thinking, this is a pandemic, everyone's feeling this way, but it's not an okay level for me. It's making me feel much worse than just a case of brushing it off. So it is caught up in the pandemic, but I know there's also something else happening. So then it's also caught up with me for my with my history of trauma. As I said, I've experienced fatigue and fogginess. Um, PTSD symptoms can really come into all sorts of areas of our lives, including like dissociation where you don't really feel present. And you could argue fogginess, fatigue, lack of focus, inability to recall words are also symptoms of disassociation. Disassociation tends to happen when your body and your brain is protecting you from big, difficult things. It it pulls you out of the moment. I've thought about that. Like, what if this is just, just, she says, trauma? But also, what if this is 
the trauma kind of living its way out, you know? What if this is part and parcel of it unravelling or emerging in a body and a brain that can potentially finally ease up and ease up because you know I'm a mother ease up in one way because I'm finally a mother but let ease up definitely not in another way because I'm a mother so that's an interesting dichotomy and then the third one is where I've really tried to understand this and I've probably gone way too far into trying to analyze it but being a new mum of course it's exhausting and of course it's hard and of course it's high energy and is, are these symptoms just inverted commas and simply inverted commas, my reaction to that, my reaction to that effort to being a new mum? I've tried to look and see if I can separate like what I think being a new mum would be like without the old trauma or what I think being a new mum would be like without a history of mental health issues or a new mum without being in the perimenopause as we suspect I am and and I just can't, it's a bit too much of a head muck. So I decided what's the point in trying to separate them? I think the point in my original, if I'm honest, was like an ego trip of being able to say, well, I'm not tired because I'm a new mum. No, it's not possible. Of course it's possible. Uh, but again, going back to what I said about comparing yourself, you know, the dips and the highs, the focus and the fogginess and the tiredness and the sweats and the insomnia and the the concentration I think is the biggest one my head oh actually there's a huge symptom I forgot about as well as migraines have been out in force in the last three months they are very new for me that I've never had migraines before and so I've been going oh is it because I'm a new mum and just is it just being a new mum and to you know terribly downgrade the experience but it doesn't matter it doesn't matter really what it is if it's if it's because I'm a mum now if it's because I have trauma added on top or or just because of that if it's because of perimenopause or all those three together and you know xyz as well it's happening those symptoms are there and they're happening so maybe I just don't need to worry about how and why I can look at that one time but all I need to worry about is managing them well and being well and happy for my family for me those are the two main things really and of course for my business and for my clients the other thing that I found really striking in writing this down before I spoke it is that I'm also the happiest most content I've been I'm the most settled I've been um, in years despite all of that happening it's pretty obvious why this doesn't happen for us all, right? It's not automatic that we feel this way when we become a mum. But I have, I think, really happily slipped into being a mum and being Hope's mum in what feels like an incredibly refreshing way. I expected myself to be very anxious. I expected myself to be, um, yeah, the anxiety I think I just expected and I haven't had it. And it's much to my surprise, even though I have put a lot of work into my life to kind of help the anxiety, it also helps, of course. Hope is such a happy baby. Makes you want to cry. She's so happy and has always been really quite content. Um, she's always slept really well. So while she's sleeping 12 hours away, I'm not. <laughs> she's really cheeky. She's got loads of chat. She's starting to basically walk now she's cruising around and just like yeah I'm pulling myself up 
Um, and she's ready for the world just as we're opening up, which is just a thrill, absolute thrill. Uh, and I'm so excited for her to be out there more with me, with our family as well, exploring the world too. There's an uh, just a, an indescribable contentment in that. And if you've ever wanted a baby full stop, but if you've certainly ever wanted a baby and you've gone to hell and high waters to have one, it is just pure joy that that is the outcome. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I just wanted to cover as well... I think I've said this already, but I have had good mental health support throughout the last decade. And some of that was because we had private medical care. Some of it, I think, was because the situation was so severe at certain times with certain types of losses and the experiences of trauma. Um, But I would say I've had that and I don't have it as well now. We don't have private medical care, but I could manage that in terms of being able to fund it through my work, which I'm absolutely, you know, pleasurably running in a very, very part-time way. But I would still say my mental health support now is probably the least supported it's ever been. And you could imagine that people would easily say, well, that's because you've been busy with a baby, it's been the pandemic, da, da, da. but actually, wouldn't it strike us that it would be better to get more support right now because you're looking after another human being and it impacts you, it impacts that child, it impacts the family. I'm actually on the cusp of that. So I'm very, this is very fresh for me around putting all of these things together. And I know that I need good mental health support right now I am very honest about the fact that I don't know what it looks like at the moment because it feels like I've explored quite a lot of options in the past that's not to say you shouldn't revisit any but I just I'm not sure there's so many converging issues going on I will say as well I'm making investigations into various parts of the health that I've talked about so the menopause my body uh, my diet, which of course is impacted because of my surgeries. And I suppose part of this comes down to my background and my access to the education I've had means that I've got access to psychological knowledge that other people may not have, um, probably friends and, you know, referrals. that I can't get referrals, but I can talk to people about this who could help me. I also know um, I've got incredibly supportive family around me and I have a healthy baby so I'm privileged in accessing that. I have access to money that I could use to support my mental health. And I probably am still going to struggle with that. So I know this is something that, of course, I want to look after myself. Um, I just think, what do we do if we don't have access to that? Something has to change with it. Given that when I phoned the doctor and spoke to them for the, I don't know, literally probably 12th, but it feels like millionth time about symptoms that have emerged into the perimenopause you know it was a lot of it was around have you been on antidepressants you know are you sleeping okay and then just nothing no no referral without me pushing for it so that's something I know that you know is an action from all of this Um, I'm not speaking this to have this sold for my for me by you the listener the you know my audience this is for me to figure out and to coin my own phrase, to figure out quite gently, because this is new, putting it all together in a package like this. Oh, this and this and this. But I I did want to highlight that in my experience, maternal mental health issues have not come in isolation. And also, as you will have heard, I've separated my maternal mental health from all sorts of other things. And 
trying to sort of say, hey, it's not maternal. Um, it's loads of other things, but maybe it is. Maybe it is, and I don't know. For me, what I'm experiencing now is as a result of my history and my inability and my ability to cope, both of those things. I feel that what I'm going through is rooted in past experiences, in addition to a heavy bout of lack of self-compassion, which I consistently develop daily. I, you're not good enough. You're so lazy. Why do you need to sleep all the time? Despite... And the hardest thing is this, it's this huge alternative to this, which is feeling very confident, assured and happy in mostly myself and definitely a lot in my motherhood, in who I am as a mother, in how I support my daughter, again, to my surprise. So this is tough because none of it's very easy to pick apart. And it's why I wanted to share. It's why I feel called to share it. Uh, Because I'm relatively articulate (laughs) in mental health stuff and I'm not sure I can articulate it very well. Um, And of course, in case it supports you, you know, um, I know that my history is relatively unusual, but it doesn't mean that you don't pick up bits that you think, wow, that I sound similar to that. That's also happening for me. So that's the special episode of Coaching Uncovered podcast. I'm going to try and pop into the notes any places that I know would maybe help if you're listening to this. This isn't intended to be a public service announcement to you know, this isn't intended to be a referral place. This is really very selfishly a place that I wanted to share some stuff that's been happening for me. And if it's impacted you positively or negatively, get in touch. You can use my email, which is emily at coachingemily.com. Or you can find me on Instagram, where I have not been present mostly because of all of this. Um, But my Instagram is gentle life mindful business. And I will see you soon.